Hello, everybody. Uh, unfortunately, I got to start this one off with a bit of a sad news. Um, we had a death in the local earshot uh, artist community. Um, I'm not sure. It was a couple of days ago. At least that's when the news started filtering out. So by the time this gets out, it'll be a week or a week and a half old. But uh, Brian Ossenkopp passed away. He was a uh, singer-songwriter out of Oklahoma. And uh, we were introduced to him through uh, Johnny Hollis. And we got to see him play a gig over at the uh, Shawnee Theater and uh, good songwriter, really good song. I know he'd had uh, some local success with a song called Creepy. We're going to get that on y'all uh, here later. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever whatever this reality is we're experiencing, I know it's short. So um, I'm not going to bore anybody with, you know, my ideas of consciousness or whatever. But, uh, you know, just be cool with everybody. We're not here for very long. So, um that's that. I guess we'll get on with the goddamn show. Well, I work my fingers to the bone. I never get to go home. This is my ever-wanted life, man, if that's destiny. Well, I work my fingers to the bone. I never get to go home. This is my ever-wanted life, man, if that's destiny. Damn, I destroyed myself, but you contributed. I destroyed myself, but you helped. Hello, everybody. Again, hello again. Um, sorry to start that off on a downer for you, man. We got uh, Bradley Henderson in here with us today. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Jonathan Grissom, More Bands Media. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm your host, Mr. Brad Biggs, 13th Step Tone Solutions. How you guys doing today? Everybody out there doing all right? I hope so. It is uh, hot as fuck in Oklahoma, and I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite time of year. How are you, sir? Doing well, doing well. Glad to be here. Good old Friday, Friday atmosphere. Um, the band Like Before. How long you guys been around, man? So I've I joined Like Before in January of 2020, um, and then they'd been playing together for just like probably six months before that. Um, like as pretty new, yeah, as okay. those lineups. So really, about two and a half years we've been rocking with this lineup. So through COVID. Through COVID. Through COVID. Yeah, through COVID. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, it's not funny. Like, haha. it's just more of ironic that um, there's been like a great COVID migration. Mm -hmm. And um, you're, you're a pretty young dude. Uh, I've seen a lot of musicians in the very, very young and starting out just going where they think a hot spot will be. And I've seen other people that have been in the hot spots fleeing them. So it's interesting to see where yeah. talent's going to land in the country and where a scene might pop off. Mm -hmm. uh, I know there's definitely been a, a huge shakeup um, with the talent pool, so to speak. Um, are you a lifelong Okie or did you come in? Yeah, I'm from Oklahoma. I grew up in Sayre, about two hours west of Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been... I came to college in Oklahoma City in 2016, and then uh, I've been here ever since. Really nice. Yeah, you just like a, a little more, uh, a little more things to do in the metro area. Then. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> a little easier to play music out here. Yeah, uh, I'm from New Walla. I mean, we're, okay, I'm not as far out of the city, but uh, east quite a bit. So yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's not much going on out easier there. Easier to get a band going and <laughs> play some gigs a little closer to yeah. the people. <laughs> Well, what's uh, how'd you come up with your like musical background as far as like, um, um, you know, what was around your house growing up, and what made you think like oh, I think I could probably do that. I like that. Yeah, well, you know, as like as long as I can remember, I've been playing music in some way. Um, my my dad and my grandpa were all musicians and things like that, so there was always kind of like guitars and instruments around the house. Right. Um, I started playing drums pretty young, like probably first grade, second grade. And, eventually migrated to guitar and things like that um so yeah it was just kind of always around like a family thing and just what i liked i guess that's cool man yeah. i got my start on a saxophone in like the school band you know yeah, yeah. i did trumpet for one year uh, yeah. yeah it's it you think it's gonna be so cool then it's like you get in it's like this is a lot of work yeah <laughs> <laughs> I you know I did trumpet for that one year, and the whole time I was just itching to get back there and play on the drums. Yeah. Like, yeah, is that what what really kind of calls to you, or um, um, once you hit the guitar, it was all over from from there? Well, you know, I was always just a drummer, like at heart, you know. And then uh, I was playing like praise and worship music growing up, uh, like youth group and things like that. 
And I had a buddy who played drums as well, and we were kind of alternating every other week. And so I learned how to play bass so that we could both play every week. And then I had a buddy who wanted to play bass, so I learned how to play guitar. And uh, then I've been a guitar player ever since. That's cool, man. Yep. Did, did you just pick right up on it? Like, okay, G chord, C chord, let's do this shit. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it was, it was definitely like a learning <laughs> thing. It's still a learning thing, but... Um, there's some some old footage of some pretty rough uh, Wednesday nights at youth group, <laughs> but we were having fun, you know. So where was the did you what was like the um, the primary music maybe like around the house? Did you like country music or rock and roll or like, it was definitely good? rock. Okay. Um, so I grew up on like for me Green Day was like the first band that I ever like loved. Uh, Dookie was the first album I ever got, um, and like around 2005, American Idiot came out, and that was when I first remember being like, this is cool. Um, bands like The Refreshments or like Weezer, early 2000s were... are awesome. Yeah, those those are kind of where I came up, though, loving bands like that. That was kind of the thing in that those years was like you had like um, the new metal craze died down, and then it's like those kind of college indie rock bands. Yeah. They all have that three or four year period in the early 2000s where they dropped these massive albums and then it's like wow how do you follow that up like, right like everybody has the weezer the pinkerton everybody has that argument i'm not going to go into it here but it, yeah but that thing and it's, right it's i had the same thing you're quite a bit younger than me but the metallica when i was younger was like the black album was the dividing line and if you like metallica after the black album fuck you and we're a purist and it's like oh shit man <laughs> 35 million people don't buy an album that sucks right i'm sorry <laughs> that that's my argument for nickelback <laughs> it's true yeah. i don't prefer them but hey yeah record sales show that somebody might million like people them. Can't yeah. get wrong you know <laughs> All right, I'll just jump ahead into this, though. So, all right, you have to give me some butt rock confessionals here. Okay. Because everybody that comes on makes fun of me for liking Shine Down and Buck Cherry. I, man, I got Shine Down tattoos up and down my arm. <laughs> well, I guess that's yours, huh? <laughs> yeah, those are my guys. Yeah. Uh, I'm, Buck, I'm Buck a Creed Cherry, guy. Man. Buck Cherry's, Buck Cherry's in Oklahoma tonight. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they are one of those bands that, like, even if you don't like their albums... When they come through town, like they put local bands to work, they mm -hmm. they offer yep. opportunities for local stuff. So it's like I love those guys. Yeah, I don't care if they put out a shitty album. The stuff they do for the local scene is every yep. time. Our they buddies, come uh, Nine Left Dead are with them tonight. Nice, yeah, that'll nice. be a good show. I saw them actually. I was gonna reach out. I'm, I got vacation next month, so I'm like kind of not scheduling, but I also have to. Yeah. finish out leading to that so it's like a weird thing but yeah yeah i mean i'm not really sure how how like before came across our desk i'm trying to remember but um i know that we started talking around the time you guys were gearing up for trapped mm -hmm. speaking of of butt rock confessionals there <laughs> yeah which i didn't even know like I, I, I we were we were talking and i and i looked up a website to look it up because trap was actually one of my like favorite bands when i was younger yeah and uh and and I and I still like all their albums. Like I, it's one of the few bands I can listen to like uh, lyrics and actually like you know enjoy every song that they write. And uh, and and I was like, I don't know, if, I don't know if I consider them butt rock. And he's like, No, they're butt rock. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I was like, I don't even really consider Shine Down butt rock. And he's like, Yeah, they're definitely they are. 100. I mean. I'm like, Okay, well, let me look this up. So then I looked it up, and I was like, In all the band listings, were all these bands that are famous. And I go, So basically. To be butt rock, you have to just basically get famous and write good songs. Yeah, you've got to be successful. And, then, and so if you're successful, for the most part, for at least a period of time, then everybody hates you. That's 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 the that's pretty the, much the game and and know. the formula. If I'd rather be hated and rich than you know than not. So if it's, if it's if it's if <laughs> yeah. it's it's kind of the formula. Like it's if if Shine Down comes on the radio, you immediately know it's Shine Down. Which I don't know why people look at that as a negative thing because when ACDC comes on the radio, you know immediately that it's ACDC right. and they're not considered butt rock. They're one of the greatest of all time. So it's kind of just a thought experiment, really. And it's mostly just fucking asshole music fans is being like, oh, your band sucks. What do you listen to? Nickelback? Oh, they fucking suck. Everybody sucks. <laughs> Everybody that sells 50 million records apparently fucking sucks. So sucks hey. well, like uh, people, people kept getting on the Primus page and telling them that they suck. And so then they came back with, yeah, I yeah. know, man, our band fucking sucks. And so then 
they just started doing that, and now all their fans are just like look to each other, be like, "Yeah, Primus sucks," and they're like, "Yeah, new yeah, catchphrase, put it on a T-shirt." Yeah. And Ronnie Radke did it. <laughs> so how does <clears throat> all right? A band like Trapped is um, they've been around for God twenty five years now, mm-hmm. and I know they had the big song that's still played to death. I mean, headstrong, it, yeah, headstrong. Yeah. It's constantly on the radio still to this day. So how does a being local and fairly new? How does how do you how does that come to pass as far as on um, the business end and the creative end, you know? Yeah. So we had, we had gotten asked, we played the diamond ballroom back in March and around the same time of that show, we, we got asked to play the trap show and we were like, yeah, definitely. We'd love, we'd love to get on and play that show. And so it was actually three locals and then trapped. Um, it was nine left dead, Cine saints and like before, um, Cine saints out of Tulsa. But so we just, geared up for it we just rehearsed and tried to get super tight and like you know transitions things like that um but yeah it was just kind of like an opportunity that presented itself that we didn't feel like we could turn down um that's cool man so basically it's it's on the business end it's kind of like just the old tried and true way of getting the gig playing the gig and then an opportunity comes out of the gig right and we we work pretty hard we we stay out playing shows we We've strategized a little different over the the last year about local market and expanding, like just not oversaturating. But we play a lot of shows and try to get super tight, and I think that more opportunities present themselves because of that. That's pretty fucking forward thinking for a twenty three year old man. I was in a band at twenty three, and all I wanted to do was cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, dude, that's awesome, man. It, it's a different world where we're in too. Is I'm. I don't know. I'm not in an active band. I, I tried to, and it's like, man, trying to do this, keep this and that just ain't working. But um, the marketing of it, like back in the early 2000s when I was trying to do the thing, it was like you had the flyers. You mm-hmm. had more analog, I'd say. And then MySpace hit. Right. Like oh five, oh six, somewhere around there. and. It didn't change right away. Honestly, it wasn't like a tidal wave. Mm-hmm. It's like there were a few people clued into how this they, – they saw what was coming. And then there's other people like me that are just kind of learning as it's already been a thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to climb the mountain. So as far as marketing like that on a local level, um, is it a burden or is it a blessing? Like the, the social media? And all that stuff. You know, it's both. Um Things like we can throw up events and send out mass invites um, to like people that we think would be interested on Facebook. That's probably way easier than having to go and physically yeah, mail out or print. Yeah. Um, so things like that, and we can share different posts. And um, once I, the band shares it, I can go and share it on my personal. Things like that are super easy. Where it gets a little tougher is I think you have to stay active content-wise yeah. outside of just posting about shows and music. You've got to... You got to be on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You got to be doing like just different, like different types of content as far as video and things, just to try and keep engagement up. And sometimes when you just want to write a song or like go play a song, so like I got to make a TikTok video first. Um, I don't know. Sometimes that gets a little tough, but that's I don't even see, and that's part of my problem with modern marketing or thinking that way is. I that doesn't even cross my mind. Right. The the idea of I want to sit down and create anything whether it's a, a song or working on a on an amp or whatever I do it's the idea of well let me get that on video first mm-hmm. just doesn't even by the time that thought comes in is like man that would have been a great idea it's too yep. late. <laughs> we we've been really like when we're out on the bus or whatever like in a show in Missouri wherever we're at we're like really trying to like transition our minds to like oh film this behind the scenes content and we'll like throw up video collages but people like that shit man people do I mean, like they it, really yeah. do <clears throat> I, mean, I always have like the perspective of if you want to be successful playing music you've got to play the game and like that's part of the game you know at least that's my perspective scratch in music and just put life right i mean <laughs> it's a game and then I'm like i see it more and more now as i'm as i'm getting older and you go through a buying a home that process and you start seeing how you attain these things and how property ownership and management comes into play and it's like oh shit (laughs) this really is just a game that's funny it's crazy 
But as far as marketing today, a band in, in the music world, it's mm-hmm. like um, I, I there is no there's no path. Like back in the in the nineties, it was like, all right, we play gigs. We flyer the shit out of our hometown, and we get a big gig, and eventually an A&R guy sees us. Right. We get a check. We go make the album, and everybody lives happily ever after. Or at least that was the the uh, Right, get the a record deal, like the yeah. standard, yeah. Uh, now, uh, I don't think any one band I talk to does it any one way. Nope. Um, there's a band out of California called uh, uh, Them Evils. I'm a big fan of. know the guys. I built them uh, guitar and everything. Shout out to Jordan. Um they were kind of the traditional path. Like we have a record deal. Let's make a, an EP with a few of our best and then an album. And then we'll tour that and COVID hit. Right. And now we don't have a label and we have all these songs. So their idea changed from doing that more traditional path to well, let's release singles every quarter, three months, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the year, we'll self-release our own EP and tour that. Right. And do smaller smaller scale stuff, but you actually reap a bigger percentage at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, you guys have any um strategy as far as that goes as far as like when to when to turn the valve on and when to turn the valve off as far as uh, you know, locally. Yeah, well, um as far as like releasing music that's kind of just, it's a learning experience, you know, because this is kind of the first band that we've all been in that's like been this, like played this much, you know. Um, so we've done a couple EPs and both times we debated like release them as singles or like the full EP. And they've only been like five and three songs apiece. Mm-hmm. So we just, we pushed them all out at the same time. Um, and then as far as playing shows, we just played and played and played, like played gigs where we could get them. Sometimes it's a little tougher to book gigs, but then, especially during COVID, and so we did that, and then um, we were just playing once or twice a weekend in Oklahoma City, Norman, like this area. Then we we got some Tulsa gigs and pushed that out a little further. And once we were able to book more shows a little further away, we started like limiting Oklahoma City a bit. Mm-hmm. And um, in the last year or so, we've been able to get into Kansas and Texas, Missouri, Arkansas places like that a little bit more frequently and through that we've booked in Oklahoma City like quite a bit less um try to get people to come out a little bit more often a little bit of a better crowd just things like that you're being too nice it's just all a little bit of a strategy you're being too nice I don't know tell it what it is Oklahoma City doesn't support our local music very much I mean I don't know uh, before COVID it was well I don't know before that I'd say uh, around the time what, like maybe 2014, 2015, there was like a head-to-head competition in town. Really? Man, we're fight, fighting over gigs. Like, this is this is war. And then COVID came in and basically just co- sort of wiped everything down. And now I'm seeing there's there's definitely more of a cohesion amongst artists. Yeah. But it's really hard to get people out of the house. I'm guilty. I'm just as guilty. I, I only get to about a couple shows a week. Right. And it used to be a, a, a nightly thing. Well... It sometimes is tough to get people out to shows um, for for that kind of thing. But I find when if I'm here once or twice a weekend every month, um, people just have their perspective of, "Oh man, I'm tired today. I'll just I can catch like I'll before catch next later. week, yeah. you know." Yeah. But if we're not here next week and people want to see us and we won't be here for another month or two, I, I tend to think that maybe people would be more inclined to come out and. Maybe that's not always the case, but that's at least the strategy that we're trying out. It's a new thing. That's it's a good a, head yeah, to keep, man. It, I don't it's, know. it's easy to get like bitter and angry, but, yeah. especially when it's something like that. That you, it's, it's, it's never one thing. It's, it's a combination of things. It's people are leery to get out of the house still. Mm-hmm. Um, the COVID hangover, I'd call it, um, oversaturation of one area, and then also just the fact that shit is fucking so expensive right now. Right. But so, I mean, we have three people come to a show and we're like, dang, these three people came out to see us? Like, dang. Yeah, that's uh, a good attitude to have, man. Yeah. Well, um, as far as the trap gig, um, this is uh, something that I've noticed. <clears throat> like some bands, will, they have good songs that are good right off the bat. And mm-hmm. so they'll catch this thing. And next thing you know, they have the opportunity to play this bigger stage, this bigger thing, and they don't have the gear Sure. To kind of do it. So 
what has been your your go to kind of rig, or have you have you been a tone hound and collected shit over the years? Well, you know, it's varied over the years. I I had a, a Fender Mustang four for a while, and I just didn't love it. But it was like one of my first like real guitar amps, I guess. And then so I switched over to a, like a small Vox. Um, I think it had like one twelve or something in it. Um, oh, I don't have them in here. I can't, I, I I can't remember boxes. what it, the model number was, but I liked that for a while, and I started having some problems with it, and so I went back to the Mustang, and then we started just playing shows like way more frequently, and so I was like, I, I need to get a better rig. So the last year and a half or so, I've been rocking a Marshall Origin 20 half stack, um, and ever since I've gotten that, I've been getting compliments on tone. My whole life, nobody's ever like, I like your tone, you got good tone. I get the Marshall, and it's immediately like, your tone sounds nice. Uh, so, some things are exactly the way that you're told they are, though. Right. Man. Marshall, and there's just some brands that, you know, there's a reason that they are the way they are. Right. You know? And, you know, and I went with the Origin 20 versus one of the other models, just almost out of simplicity. It had, like, half as many knobs, and it was almost just like, Tones like mid, high, low, gain, master, and I like it. There's like a tilt. Uh, I don't know much about the amp you're talking about. I've 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 heard of yeah. it. and I've never got to play with it. Though. It's just a 20 watt head, but um, yeah, I went with it almost out of simplicity reasons, just because there's far less to worry about and it's easier to just make it happen. You know, that's usually how you dial in good tone too. Yeah. I mean. I mean, the, some of the best guitar tone I've ever heard is just a Les Paul plugged into a JCM 800. Sure. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. what do you do there? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you, a lot of it, tone, I mean, shit. And that's, I mean. The, we could go all day on right. what affects tone and whatnot. But uh, number one is the player holding the guitar. How you grip the guitar, how you attack the strings is probably top next would be your your electric signal your pickups your tone pots and all that stuff and i don't know that i'd i'd say your amps probably even more uh integrated in in shaping your tone than your pickups even i don't know there's a lot a lot of little stuff goes into it i stay pretty stock as far as pickups like i've only ever bought any other pickups for one guitar i bought some like uh seymour duncan p rails for a build i did last year other than that, and I don't really even play that guitar very often, but other than that, I just play the pickups that come in the guitar. Um, I've got some like some solid body guitars and some hollows, and that I notice a lot of different like sound in that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really helped me was I switched drives like a from a few different like drive pedals, and around the time I got the Marshall, I got a new drive, and that just like changed the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. So you keep it pretty pretty simplistic on the signal as far as your um your pedals and stuff yeah i've got i've got about 10 pedals um but nothing crazy i rock a wah um volume pedal tuner and then i go distortion fuzz chorus delay i've got a phaser and then a, a verb um but Verb stays on all the time. That's more to just kind of bring body right. to the... Yeah. Right. That was another thing that helped with tone is I didn't... I never used my reverb. And then I figured out if I just like find a good dial and set it and leave it on all the time, it's like there's there's oh, like yeah. a character to the, ta- the, the sound. The yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't change things up very often on the board. It pretty much stays where it's at. Levels adjust sometimes, but yeah, pretty standard. Cool, man. So uh, the Gretsch... Um, Gretsch guitars. You are... The first dude, scratch that. You're the first person I've ever talked to that preferred Gretsch as their main line guitar. Most everybody I've ever talked to, if they play Gretsch, it's for a specific song, a specific tone, right. because they have a they have the kind of Chet Atkins thing that I don't know. It's it can actually be kind of twangy, but it's a humbucker mm-hmm. guitar. It, mm-hmm. it, they're their own thing. Yeah. So I um, love it. What about it? What what pulled you towards the Gretsch? Well, you know, I've got like a, I've got a Les Paul, I've got a Strat, I've got a Tele. Um, all the classics. Yeah, I've got all those. <laughs> um, I have a PRS. I've got it's a SE. It's Zach Myers signature Shine Down. Yeah, yeah. uh, I love that guitar. Um, but I got I got a Gretsch Streamliner a Hollow Body when I was uh, when I graduated high school. And I almost tried to sell it, and then because I just didn't really play it very much, 
And then fast forward two or three years, and I started playing like before, and I just only played that guitar. And I quickly, that Streamliner became my go-to. For some reason, the hollow body, like I liked the the tone it was getting with the drives, and the cleans just sounded like thick and smooth. I don't know that... I don't know if that's a good adjective no, sport, but uh, I, dude, I liked how it sounded. Um, I start talking tone and the words I use, people look at me like, right. what the fuck, man? Right. <laughs> so yeah, that Streamliner kind of became the go-to, and I always carry two guitars, you know, just like have a backup. Um, and then I, I was taking the PRS as my backup pretty often. Every every so often I'll switch guitars just for a show, just for something different. But that, that Gretsch was my go-to, and then... Last summer, I got the, the 89 Select Sparkle Jet, mm. um, which is a hollow body, and it sounds way different than that Streamliner, but it's like, that's the go-to for sure. I, have, I haven't stopped playing it in the last year. Just something about it, huh? I just like it, yeah. yeah. It just sounds cool. It, it feels cool. Um, it's the heaviest guitar I own. It was like, like, by a long shot. It was definitely something I had to get used to, hmm. but I love it. Man, that's something my son, he's talking about wanting to pick up the bass guitar, and I'm like, well, whatever we do... I don't give a shit what name's on it. Oh, go into the store and actually hold it. Right. <clears throat> and if it don't feel good or it doesn't, you know, at least have something there, you're constantly eh, adjusting and this, that, or the other. Find one that feels good. Mm-hmm. If it feels good, you'll play it. If you'll play it, you'll learn. It's it's just the process. Yeah. But if it doesn't feel good around your body, you ain't going to play Definitely. it. Definitely. You know, that's how I was with, with Les Pauls for a long time. And then I finally got to where I liked those. And then someone throws a strat at me. And I'm like, whoa, this is... Mm-hmm. When you play one guitar for that long, or do anything for that matter for that long, and even the most subtle differences in neck, right. body contour, all that stuff, it can be alien. Mm-hmm. If you go from a, a Les Paul for years and you pick up a Tele or a Strat, you're like, what is this shit? <laughs> I mean, as far as like... I've got guitars with gloss finishes or mats, or like like the Les Paul I have is like almost just like a wood grain finish on the back. Um but my Strat's the most comfortable guitar I have. It's like yeah. a, a gloss finished neck and just the thickness of it. It's just, I love it, but I never play that guitar. I don't, I don't know. There's Strat's have a thing about them too. Yeah. I, I rarely play mine unless it's a clean tone mm-hmm. and, or blues. Yeah. You know, it's almost exclusively for that. My, my, uh, Les Paul, I have, I loaded up with Seymour Duncan's and I got that monster behind you there, the PV. So, oh, yeah. I don't have any problem making noise. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, my my guitar, like like you said with the Gretsch, it's just a specific thing. Is my Firebird? It's a love hate relationship with that guitar, mm-hmm. and I've wanted to get rid of it and then turn around. And I'm like, ah, I can't because it's so specific, right? But then I'll be like, I just I can't play it for more than a couple songs. But at the same time, I have to have them for those songs. So sure. It's like, oh, I guess I'll just keep it, you know. <laughs> and I don't do much as far as like alternate tunings, at least not at this time. Um, so I pretty much play one guitar the whole show. Yeah, that's big time convenient. Uh, right. Be able to have one ready to go and drop D and just pick it up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yum, yum, yum. <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes that. So on a scale of one to ten, if uh, I mean you're still pretty young, dude. On, on the tone hound um, scale, where do you think you fall? Because I, I I know a lot of people. I'm I'm more on the analog, vintage. I like my my loud half stacks, but at the same time, the digital rigs are becoming so mm-hmm. good at this point. Like I'm gonna have to concede at some point. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't ever really played on any of the digital, like a Kimper or anything like that. Um, I'm pretty sure Kimper is what that's called. Like some, oh, there's all kinds. Yeah, yeah Kimper, Axe Boss, or, Axe, all those. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't even know what it's called. You know, I've yeah, never. There's uh, a million of them. <laughs> yeah. So I've never, I've never gotten to experiment with it much. Um, but I also like, I'm still kind of in the. I like having a pedal board. Yeah. Um, I like having the half stack out there. Like I've got all my stuff in like these big road cases, and it's funny. We'll play with guys, and they're like, "Yeah, I used to have a big road case like that." And, not anymore and uh just giving me shit about that I was like, it's just i'm still at having the big rig i like yeah. i like the whole thing it's like chad's rig that's how chad was with me yeah man. Uh, our, our buddy chad uh from uh soul crisis he uh he uses um slate digital uh-huh. but but he has like a, a um what is it like a pedal mixer that like has yeah. it all programmed into right. it so he just sets up this little bitty thing and then it, and then he just choose what song he's gonna play and then he just yeah does it i'd, I'd love to be the guy that's like Oh no! I just prefer a tube amp. You're not gonna nothing beats the sound of the real thing. But 
if I said that, I'd be full of shit. I don't know. It's it's I that would have been correct up to even five years ago. Yeah, I I I could notice a very clear difference in um, digital and analog rigs, especially live. But yeah, I could still hear it on the album. Yeah, like, to me, I could definitely hear the difference now. Man, there's artists I'll read about them or whatever, and they'll go over what they did in the studio, and I'm expecting Vox or Orange or Marshall, and it's Slate, right? It's a computer screen, and it's like wow. So I know that as far as recording, I've recorded stuff like with like before where we used um, all like digital amps on like on the computer and pedals that weren't ours um, just to get different sounds and stuff. And we got great guitar tones. We like, like, we loved it, you know. Um, you got to bring that to yeah, life, we, right? Yeah. But then we've also <laughs> recorded with our own amps and our own pedals and got great guitar tones. Yeah. Um, and I preferred those because it felt more like authentic, you know. And but it's just, I guess that's preference. Like preference. It, is. Um, it really is. Yeah. Uh, Nita Strauss. She's with Alice Cooper. She's. Um, I think she runs the Boss Digital Rig. Mm-hmm. No, no, no road cases, no nothing. I'm like, man, yeah, I, it's, it's all about our, it's subjective. It's a right. preference, but I mean, when I go to a rock show, almost specifically if it's rock or metal, like I can go to a country or a pop concert and not expect to see the walls of amps. Sure. But to me, that's part of the attitude of rock and roll. Yeah. Even if they're dummies, I don't care, but I want to see stacks of amps and crazy shit in a rock and roll show, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know how much of that's going to go away, but man, these digital rigs are getting really good. Well, I mean, you know, I saw, I saw a photo. I can't think of who it was, but they had like the dummy wall of marshals. Um, and usually you see it where there's like one that's got yeah. the actual like cabinet. Uh-huh. Um, but they were all empty. Uh-huh. And then there was a little, like, um, like a Supro amp or something sitting oh, next yeah. to it. That was Mike. <laughs> and, I, you know, I got on there, I was reading the comments on the post and there's all these people complaining like, oh, why would you do that? And it's like, I, I think it's that a, the, the stage show is a big part of it. You know? Yeah. It's right. a, uh, in uh, live nation, uh, we'd, we'd have a lot of people, uh, you know, like uh, when you work in the back, you mm-hmm. see it and, uh, and, and stuff. And a lot of those, uh, they hold equipment, but they just open up and they look like an amp, you right. know, like our, uh, a speaker. And, uh, and so, I mean, it, it is. It's more more of a visual thing mm-hmm. because honestly, like some some of those speaker systems, like in the Diamond, if those speakers were hooked up, the ones that they have in the front, mm-hmm. some of those would out. They would blow everybody's hearing. Yeah. It would be so oh. loud in there, you wouldn't be able to hear the music. And so they're not even hooked up. They're just old. Sure. And they're Slayer. still sitting there, but they just put all the new ones on top. And then, so I mean, really, uh, it's it's a visual thing. It, it looks cool. Right. Right. If, like, if that, but a lot of people don't don't know, understand that concept. They think that if you walked in there and it was just a boring stage with two amplifiers and, and exactly. a bunch of speakers on stage that are just little. People are like, well, this isn't cool. Like, sure. yeah. Well, it's Slayer is a prime offender. I don't, I don't call him offender. That's part of their. That's part of Kerry King's gig. He has speakers that go to the fucking roof. Damn, yeah. it looks like you know. But it's like if all those were really on, there would be no concert. Well, and can you imagine like transporting that? Like, oh god! Oh my gosh! If they were loaded, yeah, <laughs> never. Yeah, forget it. Yeah, you, or you you're making enough to pay your roadies very well to put up with that shit. That's all I say. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, um, yeah, I guess uh, let's see. Uh, so, where does this go now? I mean, as far as like before, you in multiple bands. Most people I talk to are in multiple bands. No, so all of us are actually just in the one band. Nice, um, nice. I've played in multiple bands at the same time before, um, but I don't know. I kind of like just having like yeah, like before. That's our that's our band and. We put all of our marbles kind of in that basket, at least at this time, and we're just pushing it and see where we can take it. Cool. Who, who are the uh, members? I'll make sure we get them tagged up here. Yeah, so we've got Zach Robertson's our singer, um, Turner Allen's our bass player, and then Alex Nimick plays drums. Alex Nimick. Nimick. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely tag them on this. Um, what are some... Um, I don't know. I didn't even ask if we could play a song. Do you want to play a song on there, or do we have a song we can play? I give have, a, give a, I everybody have, a, I have a Spotify up. Um, I have well, okay. two if, albums on here. Yeah. If you're talking to the people, we usually get between 600 to 1,400 
sure. listeners. So if you're talking to um, mostly Oklahoma City, so if you're talking to Oklahoma City, what would be the song that you would play for them that would be like, this is my band like before? Um, I often send the video to game you play to a lot of people just so that they can have the visual as well as the audio. Um, but I think Time is one of our best recorded songs. Okay. Pull that up? Yeah, I have yeah. Let's listen to that. I guess just as far as like the recording and everything, I think that one just sounds super great. Cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll dig that and then wrap it up and talk about some of your upcoming gigs here I got with uh, the festivals. Cool. So. All right. You want to play? Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
That was really good, man. Thank you. Thank you. Name of that title's uh, Time? Time off of Can't Break the Oath. Can't Break yep. the Oath. That's the EP? That's the EP. Okay. Mm-hmm. Definitely, man. I'll go check that out. Very, very good. Um, so like I said, we can we can kind of start wrapping it up here. I know you got some upcoming gigs, and I'm, I'm glad to hear it. And not just your band, man. I mean, when we when the first... <clears throat> I'd say the first year, all most all of last year was a struggle. Um, but like I said, like the Diamond had a couple shows. They had uh, Brent Smith and Smith and Myers from Shine Yeah, Country. I went to that one. Yeah, That's great. And me and my wife went to that. We were very leery because my wife's a nurse, and so she's mm-hmm. always she was on the floor working. It's like ah, but we did we vaccinated. We did it, so we was like ah, let's just go. So we went. Yeah great time and it seemed like that was like a watershed moment for a lot of the places around like oh well if they can do it maybe we can well even when they were on that tour they were like i believe that some of the shows were like people in cars or like like separated tables i don't don't know the exact situation but a lot of the shows were not like the diamond where it was like a crowd in the pit well they had it but it was everybody was still kind of in their own little bubbles too so it was I mean, up way close. It, it yeah. gets mixed, but they had like the X's on the floor yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> and people were standing on them. And then as as soon as it started filling up, yeah. and as soon as like the the openers came on, it was like fuck those X's. We're coming up for well, it. It's like, man, if there's one thing that I'm responsible for and I can take responsibility for, it's it's this physical thing that I have, this body. So if I decide I'm going to stack the risks and go. Mm-hmm. That's my decision. Right. I mean, I know a lot of people don't view it the same way, so I'll leave it alone. But, <laughs> uh, upcoming gigs. Uh, Rocklahoma. That has uh, traditionally, that was Memorial Day, which was usually my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's on Labor Day weekend, which is my son's birthday. So um, that changed because of COVID as well. So what's okay. your experience with um, the Rocklahoma crowd and that that kind of uh, gig? Is this y'all's first first time to get an opportunity? It is. I've actually never been to Rocklahoma. I've um, never been to during the show, no. Yeah, I've mm. been to festivals like Rocklahoma, yeah. but this will be my first time actually getting to like go to Pryor and, and see the campgrounds and everything. Um, it's that that one's a cool one for us. There's a lot of a lot of names on that bill that we grew up listening oh my God. to. And yeah. It, oh. It's just cool to be on the flyer. Like that alone, you know, um, we're super excited for that one. Is that y'all's most, um, the biggest one coming up as far as festivals? Uh, what's the, I have a Equinox down. I don't know what that is. So I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Rock the Equinox. Uh, it's, it's in Stigler, um, at the end of September, I believe, I believe we're out there on September 30th. Um, it's like a two day festival. I'm pretty sure. Um, a lot of local bands like Oklahoma bands, um, They've been doing it for a few years, it sounds like, but this is, again, going to be my first time getting out there, and a lot of people are really excited to go hang out, and, like, they do a camping thing as well. It's It sounds like a, like a smaller, like a more localized, like, kind of Rocklahoma deal, yeah. um, but there's a lot of great bands. Like, our buddies Wolf Ugly are playing, I know Nine Left Dead and Wolf Kira. Wolf Ugly's on next week. Yeah, those guys are awesome. I, uh, that's the thing now, <laughs> I swear, as soon as soon as soon as I started reaching out to, like, Tulsa, mm-hmm. Dallas, or like out of Oklahoma City, I'm watching the gas ticker and I'm like, fuck, man. So, yeah, I'm going to get them a tank of gas making the trip down here because they're, they're a Tulsa band. Yeah. But that, they're, they're making some waves. Those man. guys I, are awesome. I yeah. love those dudes. I, uh, they're about to go on tour with Sabretooth. Yeah. Um, I believe yeah. towards the end of the summer, maybe. I'll have to get them on. Yeah. Those guys are cool. It's more like of a, like a punk sound. That's very cool, man. Um, so, all right, Rocklahoma, that's uh, Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Equinox, Stigler, Oklahoma, into September. September 9th. September 9th. So we'll tell be, me about that. Yeah, so we'll September 9th, we're heading out to Hollywood. We're going to play the Whiskey Go-Go on Sunset Boulevard. Um, we'll be opening up for Jacob Noel, um, Strange Case, and then I believe the other artist is Noah Vaughn. Um, sorry if I'm pronouncing any names wrong, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, we just we got that news this week. Um, we're super excited for that. It'll be our first California show, or our first show on the West Coast. Huh. And that that was just cool. Like you know, everybody's gotten a chance to like all the bands we grew up on. Like, yeah, I've also played that stage. The so whiskey is it's just iconic. Yeah, yeah. It's it's more of a clout thing, I think, than mm-hmm. than an actual like big venue you know it's more of like that's the fucking whiskey on sunset strip you know yeah we got the poster and her name's on it we're like damn that's cool that's so awesome we're man. really excited uh, 
I'm happy for you, man. I hope you guys go out there and kick some ass and make some waves, man. I know there, there's a lot of people that are wanting. I talked about this with, um, I don't know if it was Nikki or, or our guest last week, uh, Katie with Systeria, but it seems like there's a more of a optimism to hear mm-hmm. original songs from yeah. your more local bands whereas like previously it was like if you didn't know how to play at least a, a bunch of top 40s to mm-hmm. throw in there you're not getting the gig sure and it seems like now there's a lot more people that are are open to hearing these new things mostly just because we've been locked down so fucking long. right well we're gonna go out there and i don't know if we'll make any waves but we're sure gonna try you know like, cool man well let's wrap it up uh, you got right. a video release uh Tell me about that, and if you got any new singles or any new EP projects, anything like that coming up. Yeah, so we've got you know we've got our two EPs out. We've got a couple um, like better quality live videos on YouTube. Um, upcoming, we're releasing a video for a song called Solitude. Um, we've been working on a the music video for that. Should be coming up soon. No date just yet. Um, and then as far as new EPs, we're we're aiming to get back in the studio in October and record uh, five more songs. So stay tuned for that. It's not quite yet, but it's in the works. So you figure what, fall? Probably late fall or winter. Okay. Yeah. End of the year? Yeah. Awesome, man. Bradley, thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for having me. Hey, man. I appreciate it. And all the luck in the world to you guys. um, We'll get all the shout-outs and shit like that and tags up in a couple weeks when you have you on. This will actually drop on the 4th of July, so maybe we can push it out there. Um. All right. All right. Like before. Badass. Guys, go check them out. Thank, Thank you, you, guys. Jonathan, take us home. Uh, the local earshot podcast. Uh, we, we run on a value for value system. Uh, basically, what, what, that is, what that means is that we decided that we're not going to take um, money from like ads and um, in the traditional sense, if we have sponsors, they'll most likely be local, um, local businesses and stuff that promote the, um, the music industry or the entertainment industry of Oklahoma. Uh, and then, um, you know, if you want to donate to the show, you can go to the local earshot.com slash donate. Uh, I have a few different, uh, types of, um, you know, things. If you donate $5, then you have, you'll be a local earshot fan, associate executive producer. Uh, if you donate $20 or more, uh, then you get the title of, um, Ellie Rocker or local earshot rocker, and that's executive producers. And then anybody that donates over $100 to the show, um, you end up being an Ellie rock star. And uh, when we start having like events and everything that we promote, then you'll have special privileges at those events that other people will not have. Um, and so there's many different ways to give. You can go to our cash app at um, it's the dollar sign local earshot Venmo at the local earshot um, and then PayPal. Uh, and then we also take crypto. Uh, if you are an artist and you want to be on the show and you want to come on and, and talk about music and, and the industry and everything, or if you work for the industry and you want to come on, then uh, you can hit me up at John at the local earshot.com or Brad on our Instagram page. And then uh, just, you know, Go out and tell people about the show and and let them know what we're doing and everything because that's the best way to help us promote. So thank Street you for teams. listening. <laughs> right? uh, Gorilla Warfare. We're going to play that song by our friend uh, Brian Austin Cop. R.I.P. to him. Um, and uh, it's called Creepy. Creepy, yes.